Hello and welcome to this non-episode of Dualist Unity. I don't always know what to say or where my sentences are even going to end. Honestly, I rarely do. Sometimes I just know the first word and what's coming out and the rest is like this intro. I had no idea where this was going to go. I had an idea and let it run and wasn't so concerned about where it was going to end and that allowed it to keep going. And because I wasn't thinking about myself so much, it ended up here. Yep. Completely stumbling around in the dark, taking our time, feeling our way through, not necessarily worried about what the end result will be so much as just thinking about the journey involved with it to the best of our ability, because we know that you, the listener, are on the journey with us. We're all in this together. And so as much as we may not know where we're going, neither do you. And I think that that's where we're going is to the recognition that we are all in that together. Uncertainty is our commonality. That all said, this non-episode, and we say it's a non-episode because it really is a non-episode. This wasn't something that happened on Dualistic Unity. This was an interview that we had with Scott Gazzoli at the Causing the Effect podcast. Scott was nice enough to share the footage of this episode with us, and so we wanted to share it with you. And so this is a non-episode in that it's not one of the numbered episodes that you will find in any of the seasons. It's just an extra. So we hope you enjoy our conversation with Scott. If you are interested in checking out any other podcast, Causing the Effect podcast, it's a super insightful podcast. The discussions are awesome. This is the second time that we've been on it, and we really, really enjoy the conversations with Scott every single time. So we hope you enjoy this one as much as we did. Literally two of my favorite people in the podcasting space of Dualistic Unity. What up, motherfuckers? Chilling, man. How you doing? Love, uh, you- love that we're back chatting with you. I'm very excited for this one. I was literally been waiting for this all week and then I've been all out of the place. I couldn't go on, on DU on Monday, but I will be on there for season four. Um, and if you're listening to this, this is November's drop. And so next month, check out um, not only this season four, but all the seasons. You guys have been absolutely crushing it. Um, Andrew just moved to Costa Rica, raced still over there in Canada. Um, and I think t- we're, we're going to talk about today is the ego and how it involves more of these feelings. And th- I guess the question that popped into my mind is assessing whether what you feel is right or wrong. So there's this there's this intuition that that Andrew mentioned before we started speaking about feeling. And then there's the analytical side of like analyzing your feelings. Um, how should somebody go about is, 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 is it even correct to go down that rabbit hole of analyzing how you feel and kind of categorizing, is it right or wrong? Um, so the first place I usually take this conversation is, is the recognition that you don't have to have a label for everything that you go through, everything mm-hmm. that you feel. Oftentimes, I think it's almost like a learned sort of practice that we have as as human beings and growing up. And it's something that we're kind of indoctrinated with that like, oh, there's certain feelings that are good, certain feelings that are bad. So you should try and feel good and avoid the bad ones or you know, resist the bad ones or try not to feel those. And for me, for so many years with things like worry, nervousness, mostly like nerves and things like that, it was something that I thought of as, you know, a bad feeling. And so anytime I would start to get nervous, I would, I would just wish that I wasn't, I would, Mm -hmm. I would resist it. I would try and not be nervous, like think about things. So like, all right, if I can just stop being nervous, then, you know, I'll be okay. And I'll be able to do this thing really well. And over time, or one of the, one of the early recognitions I had before I, you know, started peeling back a lot of layers with my, myself relative to reality and, and all of those recognitions is that, there isn't actually anything wrong with those types of feelings. And I don't have to try actively try to get rid of them and actually trying to get rid of those quote unquote bad feelings or even labeling them as bad, which inevitably leads to a sense of resistance will only keep it around. Like one of my favorite quotes is what you resist persists. And that was my life for many years was that I had all these feelings that I was experiencing. They, they would come up fairly often. And I thought that I shouldn't be feeling them because I thought they were bad because our society labels them as, you know, bad feelings, but they're just feelings. And we're going to get into a lot of nuance with this discussion as well, I'm sure. But at the end of the day, like what you're feeling is just a feeling like you don't have to label it as a good thing or a bad thing. It just is. And as you 
get closer to accepting and being able to more quickly accept things or, you know, not resist them, not try and suppress them, not try and get rid of them. You actually allow them to pass through you. Like acceptance kind of like opens a theoretical gate for the, for the feeling to keep moving. But as long as you're resisting it, it's like that gates closed and that resistance kind of keeps it around because you're giving it so much attention because you're like, I don't want to be feeling this. I don't want to be feeling this. And, and however your mind and brain, I'm sure there's some science behind the the subconscious reaction to those Mm -hmm. feelings and, and how much resistance really does just keep things around. But, you know, the harder you fight for something to to change and, and actively suppress something, oftentimes the, the more it stays around and the longer it stays around. So a big thing for me, and, and just to kick off this discussion is recognizing that I don't have to label every feeling in any which way. I don't know what it's going to lead to. I don't necessarily know if it's actually good or bad. Maybe there's, you know, comfortable feelings and uncomfortable feelings, but it doesn't mean that they're bad because anytime I resist anything, it just sticks around longer. So the closer you can get to accepting, you know, whatever arises and let go of those labels, the the more, you know, peace and freedom and, and ease comes with that. Right. Do you want to add to that? Absolutely. I, I think a big part of the problem is that with all analysis, if there is bias, it's very difficult to get anything out of it. And we are riddled with bias because we have habitual perceptions of ourselves. And so what Andrew is saying is let go of our judgments as though this feeling is good or bad. And that gives us the ability to become more aware of the feeling itself. Often we think that, okay, I need to think about this. I need to conceptualize it. I need to put it through the thought machine and come to a resolution about where this is coming from. But that often gets in the way because we don't want to be honest about where a lot of that stuff is coming from. As long as we have some cognitive control, we're gonna do mental gymnastics to avoid the truth at the end of the day. It's very difficult not to, and that's not a judgment at all. So getting rid of the judgments that this is good or bad, this means something about myself for example, allows me to feel that feeling. And in feeling that feeling, all of a sudden my brain is able to process the feeling without my interference. And so now it's processing where the feeling came from, all of the context that that makes it feel the way that it's feeling. And it's doing so naturally. This is why I often say in my coaching clients, I don't go back to the past. I don't look at your childhood. That will come up on its own. That will come up as you become more present, as you become more aligned with what is actually in reality, your relationship with reality will be informed by those memories because they're already in there. You don't have to go digging for them because if you do go digging for them, you're going to end up disturbing a lot of other things that you didn't necessarily mean to, to disturb. So allow the feeling to be what it is and allow yourself to process that feeling. And before you know it, your intelligence will kick in and you'll have an insight and it will change that feeling. Mm, okay. So this is interesting because I've been, I've had a couple, let's say trauma people on, or let's say hypnotherapy people, all this stuff. And I always break these conversations down. It's like, there's the, the three sections that we talk about. There's the present moment, meditation, mindfulness, the future, doing, getting shit done. And then there's the past, the trauma. Some people would argue, oh no, that's the root of it. That's how you have to go back. And you're saying, no, 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 no. If you're aware and you're present, it will come up by itself. And that to me always naturally makes more sense. Because when it's like, why would I go digging when it's not you don't have to worry about it, but it's like how you're saying it's, it's inevitable that it'll come up. It's like Thanos. Yeah, because it's part of you. It's literally yeah. riddled into your body. I mean, this is the thing about trauma, right, is that we yeah. we embody it as we move forward. So it's not as easy as we would like to think. Let's just think about the past because we're doing so from our current state of mind. It's the current state of mind that we have to deal with. As we deal with our current state of mind, the past takes on a different meaning. The past is something that we can actually use for our growth. It's not something that we're necessarily trying to fix because that lets go of that judgment. Again, judging our past does not help us learn from it. We have to accept our past in order to work with it and move forward. And I've been working this year on, do you guys read the book, Letting Go by Richard Dawkins about surrender? It's it's very simple in, in essence, just that his whole thing was, the essence of what you guys are talking about of having a feeling and don't you have to kind of feel it through till it's end because how Andrew was saying when you when you keep pushing it away it's giving it more power and that to me it's it's I was trying to break it down like on a very level like okay because I was trying this year to like control everything and it was the first year I was really doing it because things were going bad I'm like no I could change it I could you know keep going and the more I was trying to grasp onto things the worse shit got and I was like oh this is interesting and and, you know, there's some outside things that happen, but I clearly, I realize now, like 
if you wake up and you're thinking more negative, you're going to see more negative and then kind of out of the that algorithm, more people are going to bring more negativity to you. So that was at least what I learned. So really trying to relax and stop trying to control and letting the feeling kind of move through me, I think has been a, been a help for, for the most part. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I find for myself that even just like relaxing into that neutrality, because a lot of people will give the advice of like, oh, you're thinking negatively, you know, just think happy thoughts, just think positive thoughts. And as long as you're, you know, striving for that happiness, you're, you're seeking something. And, and that is also a form of resistance to your reality right now. You're, you're also resisting it through trying to think somewhere else or trying to be somewhere else. And with that desire for your current state of being, the current feelings that you're feeling, the place that you're in to be at all different than it is right now is always going to lead to some semblance of suffering, like where you wished you were, where you hoped you were, where you wanted to be, where you hope you aren't in the future. Like all of that is not where you are. And so as long as you're striving for something else, trying to be happy, you're resisting where you're at. And that resistance, you know, perpetuates those feelings that you're, you're currently feeling, but it's like your ability to accept where you're at right now on the other side of that is peace as you let go more and more of that resistance. And I think going back to the idea, and we, we talk about this decent amount, we've actually had uh, therapists on uh, our, our podcast before and talked about the idea of trauma and the idea of, and, and kind of they've, they're sort of like involved in the dualist mm-hmm. unity community and, and had some shifts in their own perception because typically like the, the narrative for therapists from my understanding, at least obviously not everyone, this is not meant to be like a total generalization, but that, you know, there's something, there's the patient and there's something wrong with them based on what happened in the past and they have to fix them. And the way I tend to approach things more so is recognizing that there's not anything wrong with you besides, you know, thinking that there's something wrong with you, because as long as you think that something's wrong with you, you're going to try and like figure out what it is, but that's not your experience right now. And it's like those labels, those judgments about what we think we are brings up this, you know, illusion of ourselves, which is all rooted in the past. And as long as we're holding on to that and and looking back at the past, thinking like, oh, this thing, like, this is what I am, this idea that I hold on to based on this, but that's all, all going to be based on a narrative that you're holding on to and bringing into each moment. So it's not necessarily fixing the narrative, it's letting go of the narrative, recognizing that the narrative, what you think you are, the things you think you're good and bad at, the things you think that you have to change about yourself you don't, it's like, it's through the acceptance of it, that the peace arises, that the, you know, ability to see things more clearly arises. But as long as you're, it's like, as long as you're holding on to the past and holding on to that idea of you, you're always going to be seeing things through this veil, through this like foggy veil of reality based on your perception of yourself. And it's, it's just letting go of that idea allows you to see things more clearly, allows you to see more options, allows you to change because change can't happen in the past. You're never going to change the past. You can only change right now, or at least recognize that you are change right now. And that is like another layer peeled back. And then it's like, oh, I don't actually have to actively do so much to change things because that's just the core of what I am when I let go of that false sense of certainty, certainty about what I think that I am everybody. Andrew just summed up what my life has been like for the last month and a half. Just nailed it. Cause like I, that I got to that because I was trying to get, get granular with this Andrew. And it's like, I, you know, usually when you have that resistance, like a feeling or something and in um, it, it's a contraction, right? They call it in, um, in Sanskrit uh, Sankocha or something like that. And when you, when you see that it's all tied to your ego and then, you know, how Andrew said, we, we are in a, all this is an illusion. Like the ego is just a marriage of, an allusion to like a futility or some bullshit or something. Yeah. Basically it's just how we interact with the world. It's what yeah. we understand so far. And unfortunately it's filtered through our own desire to have some certainty. And that is the problem, right? Is that we, we lean on our self image thinking, well, this is me not recognizing. No, no, but it's who you've recognized you are so far. Hmm. That's your self image don't hold on to it, it's going to change. But if you hold on to it, it's not going to change. We just have this misunderstanding of, of intelligence at the end of the day, because, so I'm, I'm old, I'm in my forties. Um, I used to work on computers a lot. And one of the most common problems when dealing with IT 
that you would have people going through is that they would just keep trying to open the same program. And if it wasn't responding, they would just keep clicking on it. Why isn't it opening? And they would try to open numerous different copies of the same program and it would just bog the computer down. We are very much like that. Every time we get into our thoughts, every time we start analyzing our self-image or we start analyzing our past or going through the narrative and reinforcing that narrative in our effort to deal with it, we're adding more programs. We're actually making it harder for us to process the information that our brain was already processing. It was already processing it. All we're tuning into when we're listening to our thoughts is the background noise. That's all it is. It's your brain processing things. You do not need to be in involved. You don't need to interfere. It's happening on its own. The most, the most beneficial thing that you can do is just be where you are with as much awareness as possible. And I know that seems counterintuitive when you're feeling really depressed, but you'll notice that your depression is linked to the narrative. Your depression is linked to the fact that you think it's always going to be this way. You think that you deserve it. You think that your life sucks. You think there's a whole bunch of reasons that you feel depressed. But if you just came back to the room that you're sitting in, feel the chair that you're sitting on, feel the air around you, focus directly on what's real. The more you do that, the more your depression starts to slip away. And it's not like it's a magic, it's not a silver bullet, but it is a long-term strategy. Your thoughts will continue to pop up, but you have to wear them away because it took a while to build them as a habit. And that's all they are. They're just a habit. Yeah, because it's a question I, I, I ask people of, of your philosophy of dealing with these three stages of the past, the present and the future. I could assume yours would say mostly stay in the present moment and everything else will kind of fix itself. It's that simple. Yeah, I would agree with that. It's not necessarily that it will fix itself, but that you will you will find the clarity and sensitivity to deal with each moment as it passes. You'll be able to dance instead of feel, feeling like you're getting blindsided every step you take. And by no means is that an easy task, either staying present for the, for the full day, because that's basically enlightenment. So, Andrew, how would you comment? You, similar? In the present? Uh, yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah, I think even beyond that is recognizing that you know, you are the present. You can't, yeah. you can't be anywhere else. You've never been anywhere else. You've never done anything outside <laughs> of right now. And I think there's obviously like exercises that you can do to like, I think sometimes giving someone something to, you know, kind of chew on can help as well. And this is something we talked about in our live show. Ray and I've been talking about this. I've been mentioning how like every time I, I go through this sort of exercise, it's like, I feel like I'm tripping my balls off and I'm like, holy <laughs> shit, this is, this is incredible. And it's the exercise of recognizing or, or imagining that you were just dropped on the planet, like right now, just literally born into this moment. Like Scott, for example, right now, you're just dropped into, you're like, you got this podcast set up. You don't really know how it started, but now you're just talking to, to two other sentient beings that are able to comprehend things and, and speak and and i don't even know and this i hope sentient sentient isn't like some egotistical word because i kind of just no. said it thinking that it's just like self-aware that's just self-aware okay cool i was like i don't want it to sound like i'm an egomaniac because i couldn't remember exactly what it meant but it sounded like it fit well in that um but yeah that's that's an experience and that's sort of the experience that woke me up was like it wasn't exactly that but it was imagining that i didn't have a past and in in that moment it like hit me like a fucking freight train the way that i i was able to almost like my whole identity idea of me just like dropped in a moment when i imagined that i didn't have a past and i was i was walking around new york and i was just i think i might have told this story on the last podcast we were on here but it's it's like one of the most freeing things you can recognize and it's not to say that it's something you always need to keep in mind or it's not absolutely not a cure-all necessarily and sometimes people have a a much more difficult time recognizing that but in in certain mentalities if it if it can hit you or recognizing like imagining you you were just dropped onto earth right now and and you're kind of in this state of awe like wow earth's a earth's a pretty crazy place and and i can like you know move my hands and move my arms and i can make <laughs> these mouth sounds and walk around like all of a sudden it's like all of your ideas of of what you enjoy doing or don't enjoy doing like the bar just gets dropped to the floor and it's like the most basic things are incredibly awe-inspiring and it's kind of like the experience you have when you're on mushrooms or, or tripping because there's not so much you know opinion 
idea of yourself, likes, dislikes, ideas about what you think you can and can't do. It's just like, it's kind of blank slate and it's, it's, you can get to a similar place in an experience like this, but you're able to sort of let go of that narrative. And all of a sudden you're, you're basically free. You're free in this moment to be the moment and everything beyond right now that oftentimes gets clouded based on everything we've experienced. It's like all of our worries typically stem from shit that's happened in the past. You know, we're afraid of happening again because we've tied some semblance of our identity to it. It's like all of a sudden the future is like, I don't know what's going to happen. Like, then that's pretty cool. And it's, it's like all of a sudden this awe inspiring sort of feeling, but yeah, some, an exercise like that, either recognizing that you don't actually, the truth of what you are doesn't actually have a past or you're just born into this moment. It's, it's not to say that it's going to solve all your problems, but it gives you an opportunity, just a slight opportunity, similar to psychedelics to see things a little bit differently. And a lot of times that's just enough to, for people to like be able to recognize that and sort of like see things differently moving forward. Yeah. And I, I think, cause now it's kind of hitting me that when you go to the past or when you go to the future, you're creating resistance regardless. There's no way to get out of that. You're actually doing the opposite of what you want to do. If you're trying to calm yourself or find whatever that, that word may be. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. When we tend to make the mistake of thinking that it's a one-time deal, like I, I've decided to be in the present, that's it. And then something goes wrong and all our, our past triggers come up and that's, that's the journey, right? It's okay. I'm in the present going through life. Wham, here comes something from the past that I don't remember remembering my reactions here. I feel all off balance. Now I have an opportunity to come back to the present. And in doing that, I can see where that lack of balance came from. I can have an insight about where that came from, but it's about going through stuff. It's not about sitting down in analysis. It's about being present and participating in life and allowing your triggers to pop up organically. So that way you can deal with them with awareness in the present and just let them unravel. Cause that's really all that's happened over time is that these reactions have gone unchecked. And so your brain has decided, oh, well, this is how I dealt with things before and it kept me alive. So obviously that's the best thing to do. Your brain doesn't question these things. It just looks for repetition to keep things convenient and allow you to survive. And if you know that, then you can watch for the patterns that it's always looking for. It's always looking for a pattern and it gets really uncomfortable when you throw that pattern off. And that's where you see your triggers pop up. And Ray just described the last two years of my life. So this is, I'm getting a short term from Andrew, long term from Ray. Yeah, this is exactly what happened. I was like, you know, COVID hit me. I was like a fucking sage in this place. All of a sudden, come back to the world in New York City. All the bullshit. No, you're not. You just weren't gambling, you fucking degenerate. That, that was the whole thing. That was, that's what the issue was. It was like, it didn't get rid of it. It's, it's that's, that's interesting. Now, as far as the ego playing its role, where do you think that plays in having con- just just acceptance let's say yeah um i think there's lots of aspects to the idea of ourself and and even something as basic as recognizing that you don't actually know what's good or bad what's right or wrong like you just are where you're at being able to let go of those opinions and and judgments that we for so long like hold on to like so many people judge make judgments like 10 times a minute. It's like every second. It's like, oh, this is this is a good thing. This is a bad thing. And it's incredibly exhausting. And I don't do that as much anymore, but I used to all the time. And so even just letting go of the belief that we know what's best for us, that we know that a, a good thing is a good thing and a bad thing is a bad thing. Letting go of that is letting go of our idea of ourselves more because our idea of ourselves is built off of you know, the opinions that we have, the the judgments that we make as me versus that. If you make a judgment about something, it's like typically because you think you do something different that's that's right and someone else is doing something that's that's wrong. And so being able to let go of that and recognize like I don't actually know where this is going to lead or where this is going to go or, you know, even even in judging people, like I don't know what that person's been through. It's like our ego likes to think that that we we do almost mm-hmm. and like, oh, that person is doing an objectively wrong or bad thing. And it's like, you don't know what that person's been through. Maybe they just like went through a ton of shit in their life. And it's not to say that what they're doing is okay, but like it's letting go of those immediate knee jerk judgments kind of helps you to let go more and more of the idea of you without like having to think about 
letting go of the idea of you, it happens more naturally. And this is something else I wanted to bring up that Ray kind of touched on is, is like the idea of being present isn't being present. And I think sometimes people hold on to, oh, I got to be present, got to be present, got to, you know, focus on this. And there's a lot of freedom in recognizing that you don't have to, you know, that idea of presence that we have, like, oh, I'm just Zen, I'm just, you know, chilling, I'm, you know, Eckhart Tolle or a monk sitting on a mountain and like, that's being present. It's like your idea of being present is never going to be present. It isn't the reality of being present, just like, you know, the, the word water isn't water, the idea of a tree isn't actually a tree. And so as there's almost like a freedom and a peace and the recognition that you don't like, there's nothing you should do. Like when you're doing something, that's what you're doing. Pay attention to that experience. If it's, you know, a more present thing or a less present thing, doesn't matter because you are the present. So as we let go of those ideas of what the present moment is and what we should be doing with our lives or shouldn't be doing with our lives, it's like, you're always the present moment. So like letting go of your opinion about the way you think things should be or want things to be or, or where you think you should be because you've gotten into spirituality and you started meditating and like, oh no, I'm getting caught up in bullshit. It's like in that moment, letting go of that opinion that you're getting caught up in bullshit, like that's the path right there. It's not getting beyond that, like getting back to presence. It's just letting go of your opinion that you're in the wrong place or feeling the wrong thing or, you know, in this experience you're going through in your life isn't what you should be going through. It's like letting go of those opinions is the path. It's not, you know, that step beyond that we like to hold on to like, Oh, I need to get to presence. It's like, it's right there for, for the recognizing. Hey, do you want to add that, Ray? Yeah. I, I'm going to take yeah. a tangent though. Just yeah, go, go. I see go. it in your face. I, I said, I, I see you just, you're, yeah. So it's so interesting because we tend to forget that, the ego is necessary. Like the entirety of your experience is based on the perception of you being you, that there is an I separate from your reality that you're experiencing, but it's how committed you are to that idea of the I that really throws off your, your alignment with reality. If you really get into the idea of yourself, you're no longer in reality and there is that spectrum. And so thinking about yourself creates a sense of lack. Andrew was just saying that we are the present moment. And that is true. We are the phenomenon of a present moment, an observer and the observed. We are the whole thing. There's no separation between the observer and the observed. There's just the perception of one. And so we are already whole. We're already the present. But as soon as we think of me, there's the other. We have just conceptually made a division between ourselves and the experience that we're having. And that division creates a sense of lack because now we are no longer complete. We've divided ourselves into ideas. And so as soon as we overinvest in that, we start chasing things, whether it be distractions or things that offer value or things that offer certainty, we, we start chasing because our idea of ourself creates a sense of urgency because it's never complete. It can't ever be complete because it is immediately divisive. So if you can recognize that, then it's just about not getting overly committed to your idea of yourself. It's not about getting rid of the past. It's about taking it less seriously. It's not about getting rid of what happens or, or avoiding negative things. It's about getting rid of the distortion, your judgment, and all that other stuff that gets in the way because you're thinking about yourself. If you can do that, then you're in constant flow state. But to get there, considering how much we oscillate in and out of confusion, there's a lot of refinement that needs to happen. There's a lot of going back and forth so you can find that sense of balance, that sense of sensitivity and, and, and equilibrium in the present moment. you got to go in and out of the present moment first to finally figure out, oh, that's what it feels like. And then it becomes self-refining. You get closer and closer and closer each time because you can recognize it when you're going through it. Is there a technique that you guys have maybe coached or given advice to, to a person that's, that's sitting here going, these guys are just saying, just let go. It's fucking simple. But is there a technique that you guys have used? Um, yeah, I think a go-to for me is just like the state of questioning. I, we have an opportunity probably thousands of times a day to question what we think is the truth, be it about ourselves or about reality or about someone else, about other people or about a situation that we're going through. Like we, we naturally tend to, because this is, you know, how our society is run and what we're taught over time to, you know, judge things. And, and so in each moment, 
being able to recognize that your thoughts about the way things are, are never, ever going to be the truth of what they are. Like the Christian Murdy quote, the description is never going to be this, the described. And so when you exist in that constant state of questioning and recognize that any thoughts that come up about your, especially about yourself, because I think that's kind of the root that inherently divides us is we have this idea of me and the idea of our environment. And the reality is there's no division between that, but to get to that place, like you got to let go of you. You can't just believe that your environment is you. Cause that I, I kind of got caught up in that for a while before I recognized that, oh, it comes back to letting go of me. You know, I was listening to Alan Watts and hearing like, you know, there's no division between your, you are your environment. I was like, yeah, Andrew is the environment. Andrew is the universe experiencing itself. And it's like, no, there's no Andrew. And therefore what's left is the universe. And it's like, without all of that identity based beliefs, it's like, of course I'm, I am what is just reality wandering around some semblance of awareness that is aware of itself and its environment. But even just that, like myself and my environment, those are just labels. Those are just words. And the reality is that there's no division between the two. Myself is my environment. My environment is myself, but because we have this idea of, you know, I can move my hands and I feel like I end at my skin, but you're getting impacted by your environment in every moment and you're impacting your environment in every moment, be it other people or the way, you know, reality is like, we're always shifting with it and impacting it and making ripples in, in every single moment. So a practice <laughs> again, is just questioning whenever those ideas come up about what you think you're good and bad at even opinions, letting go more and more of those, uh, letting go of favorites, not to say that you have to, but it's, you know, it's an option. And the more you see that, like, oh, that's just, you know, a belief. That's just an idea. That's just a concept that I'm holding on to. It's like, as you peel more and more of those back, there isn't so many layers that's separating you from your perception of, of your environment. So yeah, constant state of questioning, I think is a great place to start because recognizing unity comes from or through letting go of the idea of you as something separate from reality. Yeah. And I've never heard that technique and it just makes so much sense to me because it's just, you, you even, I could feel it. Like you're dissolving your thoughts in a way of like through to get to kind of that, that core, as we would say, what about you, Ray? What tech, I know you got, putting it, yeah, I, I, I like, really that. like that because again, you, you need to find a state of clarity. It's that state of clarity that allows you to process what you're going through. If you're confused, that's the problem. I say this to my daughter all the time because she homeschools. And so we work on math and occasionally she'll get frustrated with her math. And as soon as she's frustrated, there's no more math. And it's because the frustration's in the way. She's looking at herself. And so she can't process the problem because she's in the way of the problem. And so this is something that's important to keep in mind. But I, I'd like to tell your listener a little bit about myself quickly, because mm. I know it's one thing to be listening to us and to go, oh, okay, well, this all sounds very simple. I'm sure it's very easy to say. None of what I'm saying comes from anything other than going through hell. I, I went through about a decade of, of suicide ideation, of self-loathing and hatred. Like I, I went through a lot in, in terms of just digging myself a hole in my ego and carrying this giant weight of my past with me through each and every moment, wondering why I couldn't be free. And so when I woke up to the fact that that narrative was habitual. It wasn't like it went away overnight. Like I went through years of work day after day after day of just trying to, to just watch them go through and identify their route. It wasn't about fixing the problem. It wasn't about trying to get rid of the thoughts. It was about looking at the thoughts because our thought is a form of control. That's what it is. And so all of our thoughts have very simple, um, I guess, motivations. We're either looking for a sense of control, we're looking for a sense of certainty, or we're looking for a sense of value. And so for me, coming out of that long period of self-loathing and, and hatred, I had no sense of value. All I wanted was a sense of certainty, and that meant I needed a sense of control. And so all of my thoughts revolved around that. And so for me, a big, a big helpful uh, tip was, where is my need? Am I, am I trying to satisfy a need? With this thought? Am I following a thought that's inevitably just going to reinforce the lack that I feel? Is this giving me a sense of control? Am I trying to feel certain? Am I trying to feel like I, I know or that I'm valuable through somebody else's perspective through comparison? And so just looking at my need in self-honesty 
day after day after day, eventually those thoughts started to just wear away because you could see where they were coming from. You could see the man behind the curtain and it wasn't the great and powerful Oz. They were just habitual thoughts that I had picked up over time, over time. And they were based on me feeling like I wasn't enough. You do that long enough, it actually starts to feel like you are thinking intelligently while you go through these habitual thoughts, but you're not, you're not. It's just that you're so good at it because you've done it for so long. So if you can just identify where they come from, they come from that sense of lack. It's just your brain trying to figure out how to solve a problem that your brain itself is creating. And so that all said, I created what we laughingly call Ray's Holy Trinity, which is really just relax, pay attention, and be yourself. And that's what I used to repeat to myself. Not, not those three things, but it would depend what I was going through. If I was worried about judgment, for example, it would be be yourself, which means stop thinking about yourself, stop thinking about what everybody thinks about you. Just do whatever it is you're doing and let it play out, right? Pay attention, kind of the same thing. If you're lost in your thought, come back to where you are, come back to the moment that you're in, feel your hands doing the work that they're doing, or, or look at the screen that you're typing, or listen to the person who's talking rather than listen to your thoughts about what you think that person is thinking about you while they're talking. It all just comes back to coming back to the moment. And so that, that's really it, it's just practice, practice, practice. And it doesn't feel like you're making progress for the longest time. For the first year of going through this, it felt like I was climbing uphill through, through mud. Like it was the hardest thing, man, because you're going through it, it makes sense to you, but it doesn't feel like it's working. And it doesn't feel like it's working because there's so much behind it. It took a whole lifetime to build the way that you think. It's not gonna go away overnight. But if you honestly are committed to just, if you're just tired of perpetuating the division that's causing you pain, that's all you need. Everything else takes care of itself. Just don't lose hope, stop judging your progress and let it play out. And at some point you're gonna look back in a moment of clarity and it's all gonna make sense. And you're gonna look back at all of your demons and you're gonna see that they're angels because you made them angels. Ray, you just crushed that whole thing. Yeah, because I'm laughing because this is this was my life this year. I, I had the these perpetuating thoughts. You're everybody's asshole, right? So I created this whole thing. And um, the second I got mugged or hit, whatever you wanna call it, I just, it just kind of clicked. It's very odd. I don't know why it clicked. And I went, I, I was getting very angry about work. You're taken advantage of, you're not paying all this stuff. Went to my boss's office the third day, black eyed, not angry at him, just angry in life. And I'm like, listen, this, I made up this whole situation. I'm like, I'm going to go ask for basically $150,000 in the next three weeks. Just this, this is the way it is. Or I'm going to get, or, you know, I need to speak up in a nice, calm manner. I go in there. Lay it, lay it out to him. And in my head, 75-year-old, very cheap Jewish man, I'm like, my job's done. This is the end. I'm going to go to Costa Rica with Andrew, and I'm just going to be selling melons or something. The way he reacted, he started crying. He apologized that I was got so upset, so angry, sent me a check two weeks later. And I was like, what the fuck is going on? I made up a whole thing. And it's not even making it up the whole thing. It's about how you were saying, sitting in it for three months people were getting the the brunt of it i made up the whole thing in my head it's just i was so shook by that and i was like wow i really got to start looking closer at the story because i think i'm probably too much analyzing right i can't i can't imagine what your fucking mind looked like when you were rolling through that shit it was ugly i'm just gonna say it was ugly but again that that's that's kind of the the saving grace at the end of the day because if it wasn't for all that ugly shit i wouldn't be able to say this stuff and again that that's the thing is when andrew first came up and met me in june he had an idea of me like, oh, Ray's read a lot of books, Ray's, you know, talked to a lot of people about this stuff. And as we got to know each other over that weekend, and I'm just telling him about some of the stupid shit I've gone through in my life, just some of the things that I, I've done or believed in or, or, or uh, invested in, in terms of a strategy or an idea of myself. And more and more, he's looking at me going, oh, so you just kept running into walls and you're really just talking about all the walls and how much they suck. I'm like, yeah, that's the only way to really get that. Because you can tell when somebody is telling you something that they haven't lived. And this is the problem with a lot of counselors. And I know I'm married to one. She admits the very same thing. Education doesn't equal self-awareness, right? Knowing that there are certain disorders doesn't make you self-honest. And that's really important because if you're not, you're not going to do the work that you need to do to be able to relate to other people, which is really what a therapeutic relationship is. It's a relationship of vulnerability. It's where you and I can recognize that we're both in the same shit together. It might be different, in terms of its details, but we both exist and have the entirety of the human experience to deal with and all of that uncertainty. And on that, we are absolutely equal and we can relate. And that's where we start to grow.
how how do we get self more self-aware get to the more present moment when it seems that we live in a world that is trying to pull us out of the present moment if you agree with that yeah that's that's a good question man i feel like we've been kind of kind of touching on some strategies for that absolutely but i think yeah i mean i i always go back to questioning and just like relaxing into that uncertainty of reality like any time you hold on to a an idea about the way things are like it's going to cut you off from reality and and people get caught up too with the present moment as like this thing this this concept and for me it was that was what it was for a very long time it was like oh this this newfound place that i'm feeling a lot more peaceful but it was still a concept and it it's something that i could gain and and i could lose and as i've relaxed more and more into the recognition that like everything's completely uncertain there is no actual certainty and besides the recognition that i am the present moment which is like what's left when you question those ideas into oblivion and again not to say that like they fully go away or that you know you should have no idea of yourself because that's essentially impossible like our ability to like as ray said before the ego is not a bad thing our ability to have this experience of the illusion of duality is like the ego is a intrinsically necessary part of that illusion but all of the stuff that comes with it and, and the ideas that we've held on to don't necessarily have to. And so I think the more we're able to just relax into that and and the more I go through things and especially with uh meeting Ray and having this idea, because we were we had a fucking podcast for like nine months together and my idea was so fucking off of him. Like it was great <laughs> and Scott, I'm excited for you to meet him at some point so that whatever idea you have will be obliterated. Andrew, the same but- thing happened. I'm, I'm, this, when I met you, the same thing happened, to be honest. And I get to this, those times. It's just funny when you see it from this level and then you, you know, it's just, I'm with you. I'm with you. It's, it's crazy, like, how often we walk around with ideas of, like, what other people are and how other people see us. And being able to recognize that it's never the truth of what you are, there's a lot of peace a lot of freedom a lot of ability to just get into like recognize that flow state and and be aligned with how reality is and i know some people close to me people i've worked with who you know they they cling so tightly to that sense of certainty and they're like oh if i can just you know figure out the, this person whispered something about me if i can just figure out what it is then and i'm like what what is then what it's like well then i'll know whether or not to hang out with them again and it's like yeah but do you realize that whatever they're thinking is is like that's their thing it doesn't it doesn't have to be your thing they're just seeing you they're seeing you know whether they recognize it or not they're just looking at themselves when they see you and they're utilizing you as as something that they you know don't want to see in themselves or they do want to see in in themselves and like that's for the most part what it comes down to is like whether we know it or not that the truth is that we are seeing ourselves when we see quote unquote, other people. But even when we don't recognize that, we're still just utilizing everyone and everything in, in reality as a reflection of ourselves. So like the more we can let go of the need to figure out what's going on and, and just recognize, this is how I kicked off a recent episode, but like the more we, uh, more and more I've been recognizing that I don't have to figure out what's going on, what other people think of me, what this situation is going to lead to because I'm more clearly recognizing that I am what's going on. Like I've always been what's going on. This situation is what's going on. And and when we let go of the labels of the ideas about how we think it's going or how we think it should go and recognize that I don't know how it should be going. I don't know where it's going to go. I don't know what this is going to lead to. And in that, that's like the beauty of life right there is the uncertainty. Like the uncertainty is intrinsically tied to the beauty of life with certainty comes a self-created comfortable prison and there is no beauty in certainty because it's just fixed it's like a stale prison cell but uncertainty is is absolutely beautiful it's like closer to you know nature the way nature is and and grows and everything it's like it doesn't know where it's going but it just keeps going and that's what we are because we are nature and i don't know where i'm going and there's beauty in that 
But if I thought I did, if I knew like in five years exactly where I was going to be, like what would be the point of living through that? Right, I'm waiting for you to just drop some shit as usual. No, that was really well said. I just mm -hmm. wanted to say that that was fantastically said. But it's also really important to remember that the world that we we live in right now is the embodiment of a mentality that we're trying to get out of. Like, it's really important to remember that while you are trying to get out of your ego, you learned that ego from a system or from a culture that has invested in it for thousands of years in many, many different ways. And it's been the root of almost all of our suffering. It's also the root of our, our government and our economy and everything else. It's always that sense of lack. It's always that sense of division, that sense of, com of comparison and competition. And so the entirety of the world is based on us not recognizing that we're one, on us not being present and clear enough to actually get along together. And so a very smart gentleman once said that you should be in the world, but not of it. And that's very much the mentality that I go forward with. I am in the world. I interact with it on a daily basis. I don't necessarily think about the government. I don't necessarily think about the world powers. I don't think about the world economy. It's not that I'm not aware of them. It's just that they are a result. They are a result of our current mentality and they will play themselves out accordingly. What I can do is change my mentality and change all of the ripples that I create. And that changes the collective mentality over time. And as each and every one of us start to understand that, we change it more and more and more. And that's when the system will change. But we have to recognize that we are a part of that changing collective mentality, that we are, in fact, one singular awareness that is starting to look at itself differently. But the way we look at ourselves previously is what created the world that we live in now. And so it's going to be a bit of a process, but it's going to go faster than we think. Kind of like the process that we were talking about earlier. It's always hardest at the beginning. Yeah. That's what we're recognizing in the system now in terms of the economy and the environment, and wars and, and, and the corruption and politics and all that stuff. It's the ego falling apart because it never made sense. Yeah, and for, for I've had some people reach out to me and they, they always kind of put the blame on not being able to trust people. And I, I can't really... I can't comment on that because I, it's my issue. I, I, it's, it's innately like I'm not an innate truster. And I feel like this, it, it's like you have to be in the world. You have to be able to trust people and be more open. Like, is this an issue that you guys have dealt with when letting go of this stuff? Have you been trust? Like, have you, do you trust people? Like, that's really what I'm trying to get to. And I, I'm more curious for Ray's answer because, Andrew, I just feel like you do trust people. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I can, I can kick this off. Cause I think a lot of times too, I, I think it's, I think of this along the lines of how people, when I say something about letting go of your past or, you know, the idea of you is never the truth or you're never what you think you are, you know, I'm not Andrew cause Andrew's just an idea that exists differently inside of everyone else's mind. People immediately jump to like, Oh, you're disassociating, bro. Like that's not healthy. Like come back to reality. And it's like that mentality that believing the illusions to be the truth, believing the labels to be the truth is inherently cutting you off from reality because it's the belief that you're something within reality or that's experiencing reality and it's not recognizing that you are reality. And beyond all of the divisive labels that conceptually divide us, like that's what's left is reality. And so when it comes to trust, I think it's another uh, kind of like a misconception, I guess, with letting go more and more of your guard is like, oh, you're, you're not as sensitive to things. And it's like, you're, you're way more sensitive. And it's not that there's the fear-based like worry about what's going to happen. It's just like raw awareness. And it's like, you're able to almost tap in more easily to, you know, the, the vibe in the room or the vibe of a person or the energy they're embodying or whatever words you want to use. And so you're able to, because you're not holding on to ideas that cut you off from the experience of reality with, you know, a person that maybe isn't super trustworthy or a situation that maybe doesn't feel quite right. As long as you're holding on to ideas about, you know, the way you think the situation is or how it should be going or shouldn't be going or whatever, like you're not able to be as sensitive to the experience. And it's like, we uh, mentioned like an example of a deer in nature uh, a couple episodes ago, just recognizing that, you know, it's not afraid 
of its environment. It's just there probably, you know, not thinking too much besides like, oh, this grass tastes good or whatever. But as soon as there's like a rustle in the leaves or a predator, you know, potentially getting close to it, which could is probably a lot further away than we'd be able to recognize a predator being because it's not holding on to these ideas. There's a lot of sensitivity. So it's not that there's like fear and then it notices and then it's like, oh shit, I got to run away. It's like, it's just always aware, but it's not afraid. And, and being able to let go of that fear and worry that cuts you off from your experience of reality allows you to be more sensitive to it. And so it's, it's like, you're more aware and, and more able to tap into the recognition of like whether or not you should trust someone without being afraid of them because you're not afraid, it allows you to tap in to that mm -hmm. sensitivity. Okay. That's interesting because if you look at deer, uh, a deer in the headlights, they are actually stopping to think about what's happening. They're like, I've never seen this before. And as a result, they're not just doing what they would normally do, which is get out of the way, right? They're stopped, they're frozen in confusion. And that's what ends up working against them. But uh, to go back to your question, uh, Scott, no, I would say I'm not a trusting person. And, and the reason is just because I've had such a long history of, of abuse and betrayal and, and, and just being left alone and isolated and all that. And so I was really invested in the idea of trust for a long time, because what am I looking for? Certainty, value, right? Worth, and, a sense, and a sense of worth. That's right. That's exactly what I'm looking for. And so if somebody trusts me, I have value. And if I know that they're going to live up to a certain perspective of myself, then I have control and I have certainty. So trust is a big deal. I need trust to be happy. And then, of course, every time you invest in somebody and try to trust them and they don't do what you expect, it crushes you. And so it, it dawned on me that that's not really trust. That's expectation. Like I'm not really trusting somebody. I'm expecting them to live up to what I think they they're going to live up to. And I'm basing my happiness on it. And that's unreasonable it doesn't work. And so letting go of my expectations, recognizing that the person I'm talking to is exactly like me. It's exactly like me. And they may not think like I do currently, but they may think like I have done previously when I was more needy or more confused or a little less aware of other people. And so they're going to do whatever is in their best interest based on what they understand about themselves in the world. That is what I trust people to do. So it's not necessarily a trust in terms of, oh, I, I, I can trust this person to, to behave a certain way. No, I, I can have faith that this person is going to, to behave however they see fit. And if I have awareness, then I can move with that. It's not necessarily that they're a bad person just because you know they're doing something that I prefer they don't, because that's typically the response. Oh, this person broke my trust. Well, Why do you have that expectation? Why are you holding them up to this bar? right? For your own benefit at the end of the day. And now you're going to vilify them again for your own benefit because it makes you feel morally superior. And, and that's the whole point. It becomes this, this entire different game. It's, it's kind of like the philosophy I have that if somebody comes up to me and they're like, hey man, can I borrow 20 bucks? I just assume that I've lost that 20 bucks. Like I just give them the 20 bucks if I can spare it. And I don't assume I'm going to get it back. Why? Because then I'm going to worry about it. And if I can't spare it, why am I lending it out to begin with? Mm. Right. If I can spare it, then I can spare it. And if it comes back, it comes back. And if it doesn't, it doesn't. And that's the easiest way that I can deal with my life is just to be self-honest about my situation and assume that things are going to work out one way or another. But if I'm putting myself, if I'm overcompensating or if I'm overextending myself one way or another, that's on me. That's on me. And it's the reason I get hurt. It's because I set myself up. I stand on a chair and I wait for somebody to come over and kick it out from under me. And I like how you just use your own technique to walk us through trust because you found out like what, 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 and that's me, me, me too, having, um, you know, trust issues, let's say certainty. And I like how you said that expectation. It's not, you're not, you're not looking for trust. You're looking for an expectation. Control. Um, so I'll tell you guys what happened. I'll tell you, I met my father for the first time in like four to five years in June and, um, it didn't go well. Uh, this was part of the whole fucking, you know, the whole, the whole down, down poor, poor year and see him for the first time. And the first thing he says to me, first thing he says was, you know, I did com I was, I'm doing comedy. He was doing the comedy bit and I have a 10 minute bit that I won. That I was very proud. It was like the best day of my life. Um, uh, awesome. we're, we're in Caroline's 400 people fucking hit it. It was amazing. What happened was he saw it. And the first thing he says to me is, well, I gotta tell you something. You really shouldn't have said any of that. He makes it about him. And I fucking, in Petalugas, 
Andrew in the fucking steakhouse. I made, I fucking exploded. I lost my shit. And I was just so hurt that like, you know, you're looking for something here. What is that? The first thing that comes out of your mouth is making it about you. And that's kind of also what, I don't know why that, that popped up. It's fucking my trust, but um, that was ultra, ultra annoying, but I guess I shouldn't, if I didn't have an expectation of hearing something different, or if I let go of that, I would have been in a better place. Um, I think, and I'm going to relate to you on this one because I kind of have the same history. I, I, I saw my dad, I think the last time I saw him, I was seven. Um, then he oh, made, shit. oh yeah. And then you know, seven? over the years he, he made offers to come and see me and he never did. He sent me a happy 16th birthday uh, card on my 13th birthday, that kind of thing. And so I went through a lot of that. I remember I was going for confirmation and he's, he promised he was going to be there. He would be there and he didn't come. And then after the case, he's like, ah, I don't see why it's that important anyway. <laughs> and so over time, as you let go of this idea of what a father is supposed to be, and thanks Disney for that programming. Um, and you recognize that there is no actual manual. There is no book that says, this is what a father is supposed to be. I know I'm a dad. Nobody ever told me. It's that you have to figure it out as you go. And that's largely a reflection of how much work you've done on yourself at the end of the day. But Going through all that, I remember when my daughter was born, I was, I was near 30 at the time, and I figured I should probably tell this guy that he's a grandfather. He may want to know. And so I've tracked him down, found his number, gave him a call. We were on the phone for about five minutes. He's like, oh, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, I'm, I run a web design and marketing company at the time. And he's like, oh, I need a website. Do you think you can give me a deal? And that was exactly how the conversation went. He didn't give a shit about his granddaughter. He didn't ask me like, what have you been up to for the last 30 years? Right. It was nothing about anything to do with me. And it didn't bother me at all because I knew that was more than likely going to be the case because we have this tendency of forgetting who a person has been for the entire time we've known them. We want to see them as something else because that makes us feel like we can be happy with our lives. But then we end up with this cognitive dissonance because they're not that thing and we didn't need them to be. That's the problem is that we think we, we thought we did. We were okay without them. It could have been worse. We could have ended up with them. Mm -hmm. right? And that would have been far worse if you think about the character it takes to leave a kid behind do you really want to look back at your past of what it could have been living with that person and so i dodged a bullet but i couldn't have seen that so long as i was living with this expectation of what a father should be and then feeling sorry for myself because i didn't have it that is what uh, the third thing my father said to me is could you give me some clients yeah dad i'll give you my billionaire clients because that's what go fuck yourself um yeah no no and that that was the that I would say it, you, it sounds like your dad made it clear. Like the issue, my, my father, like he, he really, I could tell he really, he wants to, but he just so now keep in mind, guys, my father put his father in jail for 20 years, uh, ratted on him in the Rico case, whatever. I can only imagine what the fuck they were doing. They were, they were not selling coffee. They were selling cocaine together. So I can only imagine, and I guess looking at it that way, I've never even thought about it. Like from what, what did he go through to get to that level of, thinking that the only way, like the only, every time I see my father it was like, well, let's get prostitutes or let's go gamble or let's just do some Coke. And it's like, what? And you know, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree, but this at the same time, yeah, it's, it's, it's just, I guess I'm, I see myself growing. And my question, the issue I have now is like, do I just exit out? Cause I know he's trying, but I just can't be near him. It's like, I would like to just have a, so now it's just been more like, all right, I'll text you, but I, I can't really stand being near you. Like, that's exactly what happened. The cognitive distance. Every time I see him, I'm like, I really just don't like this guy. Like, yeah. So don't. That's yeah. my advice. Yeah. Is is don't until you can. Yeah. That's. I think that's really important. It is yeah. to recognize. Like when I contacted my dad the last time, I was stoked that it didn't bother me at all. And at that point, yeah. I'm like, I don't need to talk to him again. Right. And, and I needed to see that. I needed to to let it stop bothering me. And and. But for the longest time, I couldn't have made that call. And I knew that because I was still in, in, entrapped by it. I was still thinking about myself and the relationship and all that. And so all those triggers were there. So it's like, you know, with low vibe people or negative people, if they're still affecting you, if you're still unbalanced and you're not able to, to just disregard what they're saying as being egotistical and driven by need, don't go near those people yeah. until you recognize it clearly, because then they can't sway you. Then you can actually go in and you can get, you can get a clear look at where they're coming from. And then it becomes even easier to deal with them because it becomes obvious what they're playing out. But until it's obvious, avoid those people. Work on yourself. And then when it's clear, 
go back and have some fun with it. You can use it as like a test. If I go near him next year, maybe I'll be less annoyed because he caught me and it was a rough time. It was a rough time. And I went out of control after that. Okay. Yep. Bad gym day. That's it. It was just a little bit of a tough one. Um, no, man. That that's that's crazy. Andrew, anything you want to add to that? I know we just, just <laughs> forgot about you and your you know, because it looks from Instagram, Andrew, it looks like you have the perfect family, the perfect mom. It's like I can't be near my mom for longer than like an hour. It's like you're doing hikes with your mother, I threw my mother up a fucking mountain. <laughs> Uh, no, we, we absolutely have our back and forths. I think we've just had so many without like giving up that we're able to work through, like, especially after I, you know, woke up, which I put in quotes, um, cause the word's always funny to me, but <laughs> I started to see things a lot differently and was not afraid to talk about it. And it made a lot of people very uncomfortable. And at first it was like, there was not a willingness to just let me go and let me do it. And there was a lot of pushback with, I, I always just say people close to me, not to, so no one can like point any fingers, but people close to me in my life, there was a, quite a bit of pushback early on, like probably about a year ago um, through even like within the last probably six months ago and through it though, like I, I straight up said, like we've had some screaming stuff back and forth probably a handful and i'm like i'm not changing what i do like i understand you guys it makes you uncomfortable because you have this idea of yourself that is tied to me and you're worried you're still concerned about what people think of you and like i'm not as much anymore so like if you want to put their happiness above mine and and care more about what they're doing than than me like i'm not going to come around as much like straight up i'm just not going to like it's just not going to happen i don't need to deal with this shit like this is my accounts my videos that i post i will deal with the ramifications i will deal with the repercussions if there are any but you know stop focusing on those little things and maybe see what all the other shit that I'm talking about or look through some comment sections or something like there were some things like that. I've, I've let go of like trying to prove anything anymore, but um, yeah, I think anytime you have an idea of like the way you wished things were, how you wished someone would respond or like how you wished they would treat you. Like there's always going to be a semblance of suffering. And I think it's tough with, with families too, because there's just so much, history with that and something else just with you know holding on to certainty it's like with people who i'm I'm not specifically talking about my family i'm just talking about people in general like we have this fear of uncertainty and like fear of our environment changing or ourselves changing like we oftentimes so often resist that and we're talking about that a little bit how uh tied to procrastination that is being afraid of of change and and growth and whatnot is leads to procrastination because we're resisting you know the inevitable change that we always are in every single moment but also people and their environment like we're all a part of each other's environment so as our ideas of ourselves that other people have begin to shift and change it's inevitably going to make people uncomfortable because their environment is no longer certain that idea they had of me of being like you know, golden boy growing up that never made any mistakes and never broke any fucking rules all of a sudden is talking about illegal drugs and how, you know, believing in God is reinforcing your anxiety and depression. Like, Cole, where is this coming from? Like, what the fuck is going on? And and saying all this crazy shit that, uh, you know, whatever, that people who are caught up in illusions of themselves are going to have a tough time holding on to. Like, all of a sudden, there's a drastic shift in their environment. And so it's it's not me necessarily it's their perception of me their perception of their environment so you know bringing it back like being able to have empathy for those people and seeing where they're coming from and being able to see you know their history of their lives and you know what they're maybe going through right now and why they're responding in this way and and not necessarily giving up i think there's a point where you do and you're just like I don't need to deal with this shit anymore. And that's always an option, always available. But you can also, you know, when there is some maybe opportunity to continue working through, like let go of your desire to change them. And like, no matter what you're saying, what you're talking about, what you're going through, like you're always dropping seeds, always shifting things, whether you feel like you are or not, no matter how much resistance you're getting, like you're still 
able to keep doing you and keep talking about what you're doing. And inevitably that's going to shift things. And I've found, you know, with, with people close to me that in the last few months, like there's been quite a shift, which has been cool because it's like, I think they've started to see that like very clearly that I'm not changing. I'm going to keep going and keep, you know, talking about this shit and pushing this stuff that I see issues with in society and whether it's, you know, the right side of the aisle or the left side of the aisle, I don't give a fuck which one it's on. I'm going to talk about it. If I see an issue with it, if I see people getting caught up in illusions, see people perpetuating their own suffering through that stuff, I'm going to keep talking about it and keep calling it out. So you can either hop on or hop off, but I'm going to, Train's gonna keep moving. <laughs> but getting to that point was was this a, a long process of really just saying I know I have some controversial. I mean everything you said. I love all your shit. I'm like I'm like yeah, let's fucking go. But I could see how I forgot about normal people. Um, has this been a process of dissolving what people think and just having to say fuck it? Oh yeah, massive, huge process. Like Ray's talked about a little bit about his past. I know, but like I was so caught up in what people thought of me growing up, like, especially in high school, probably about 10 years ago, 14, 15, 16 years old, like, I was incredibly quiet in high school. And it's because I was always worried about what people thought of me. So if I, you know, said what I wanted to say, or spoke my mind, I risked people judging me, I risked people having a negative opinion of me. And that was my biggest fear was people not not that I wanted people to like me or everyone to like me. It was that I didn't want anyone to dislike me. So how can you do that by not saying shit by just, you know, being the nice quiet kid who plays sports and stuff. And it's like, no one's going to dislike that kid, but also you're going to perpetuate a lot of your own suffering because you're trying to be something for everyone besides yourself. And so over time, I sort of recognized that Oh, you know, it's a, it's actually a super egotistical way of, of living, thinking that everyone's fucking thinking about you all the time because you're always thinking about you and, and afraid of it. And, you know, th- there's a degree of that that's going to create a manipulative type behavior that's not going to be true to you. And, and you're always going to be acting in a way, hoping that, you know, people are going to have this specific perception of you or not have a specific perception of you. And so as I recognize more clearly that, you know, people aren't thinking about me as much, that was like a freeing recognition. Mm-hmm. And then it was like, oh, I'm creating a lot of my own suffering and, you know, their opinions of me are kind of their deal. Like, it's not really my problem. Like that was a little more freeing. And then eventually recognize that this whole fucking idea of Andrew is just a total illusion and not actually what I am. And, and any idea that anyone holds on to isn't the truth of what I am. And any idea that I hold on to isn't the truth of what I am. And that was, you know, one of the eventually deeper things that led me to Ray and talking about all this stuff. But um, yeah, there's definitely been a, a massive process in letting go of my fear of what other people think of me. Oh, so we got we all fucking shared some some deep shit on this one. This was good, man. Yo, dude, thank you guys so much for for joining me and just I forgot how fucking awesome it is to do this this stuff with you guys. So we got we can't do Anytime, it. Uh, can't let Anytime. can't let this shit sit. Yeah, man. You guys have gotten fucking pretty good though with the back and forth. I feel the dualistic unity between you two guys. But um, everybody, please check it out. Great stuff. Season four is coming out next month. Um, I'll be on season four, but check out everything before. Uh, that's it, everybody. As always, stay safe, stay positive, stay blessed. We'll talk to you later. Bye-bye.